And you may take your seats. Thank you for being here this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful day to be in God's house. Uh, I almost wish we had, you know, sky, sky ceilings, you know, it'd be awesome. But, um, uh, but we have a nice cool room uh, that we can be in and it's a beautiful, beautiful day to be here and worship the Lord. So thank you for being here. Uh, no, uh, we picked that, I picked that uh, hymn because uh, of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a good conscience. You would think that you're saved, you're going to have a good conscience. I don't know about you guys, but um, I struggle with that. Um, and uh, Paul, apparently, he, 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 uh, uh, he talks about it, and he had uh, a way to ensure he had a good conscience. In fact, um, he, uh, we're going to be in, in the book of Acts, uh, in, in chapter 24, 1 through 16, we're going to be, we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at a, a scene here with, uh, with Paul who's on trial. He's being accused. He's, uh, he's been arrested. Um, and it's quite interesting. Uh, the more I read this, just seeing the picture, the picture, um, uh, I've said it before, sometimes I have to read several times when I read Paul how he writes, he's very smart, and I'm not, so I have to, I have to catch myself up several times. But when I've read this uh, multiple times this, this week and, and study, the picture became clear of what is happening here. And it's not much different than what happens today. Uh, it's not much uh, different. Uh, how many remember the, the story of the, the baker in, uh, I think it was Colorado, who uh, was sued and, uh, and, and told, you must make a cake for a gay wedding. And that went against his religious beliefs. Um, I feel for, uh, for business owners that use their, their, their talent to do certain things. And, and use their, uh, in, in his case, I, I understand the, the, um, uh, why he didn't want to do it. Because he knew that this cake represents a unity of something he doesn't agree with. And something that's not biblical. Now I'll be very, very perfectly honest. People have asked, because of that conversation, people ask me, well, do you work on cars of people who are gay? I said, I'll take money from anybody. My working on their car, my guys working on their car, doesn't validate nor invalidate their lifestyle. How I, it's a lot different. How I act, though... How, how I treat people, how I, um, can I still love them? Absolutely. Because wouldn't it be harmful if I didn't show love towards someone? Uh, that, who's this Jesus you have if you're not, don't show love? It doesn't mean I condone the sin. But, but we're going to talk about the good conscience. And, we're, and when we're talking about conscience today, we're not talking about unbelievers. Because it really is, is di diverse from the fact of salvation. Conscience really comes into play when we're talking about being saved. So let's get into our text. Well, let's look at this picture of, um, so we'll try to see if we can get through. This one might take, well, we'll, we'll get all your notes in. I, like you, I know you guys like to fill in the blanks. I do too. We'll get all those filled in so, so we won't leave anything open. But, okay, uh, chapter 24 of Acts, uh, we're going to do 1 through 16. And verse 1, and after five days... Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named uh, Tortullus, who informed the governor against Paul. The governor is Felix. 
And when he was called forth, Tortullus began to accuse him, saying, seeing... Okay, now, picture this. Tortullus, the orator, is a lawyer. Do we have any lawyers in here? Because we're going to talk really bad about lawyers right now. Um, he is your typical lawyer. He's got flowery words. He knows how to uh, butter up, in this case, he's going to butter up Felix, the governor, and uh, so that you get Felix, if he had a jury in front of him, he'd want to get the jury on his side. He wants to get the, the, the one who's going to make the decision on his side. So you've got to butter him up first. You can't just, just go off into accusations. So this is what he's doing. And I, di- I didn't see this as first. And then he, so I, I wondered, who's he talking to? He says, um, uh, and when he was called for, Tortullus began to accuse him, saying, but he didn't accuse him yet. He had to butter up first. Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness. He's talking to Felix. By you. You give us such great quietness. We've got peace. You're wonderful. Oh, to- Felix, I'm sure, is feeling great right now as he's starting to hear these. And, and, that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation. Remember, we're a Jewish nation, and you're controlling us by, by thy providence. Thy is you, Felix. I'm buttering him up. We accepted it always. We always wanted you here. And in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. We're so thankful you're here. Do you just, oh, I just hate lawyers. Okay, so that's the picture. I've gotten him. He's, he's reading him probably. He's like going, okay, you I got him. Okay, now, notwithstanding, that's the next word, notwithstanding that I uh, be not further tedious unto thee. I don't want to waste your time. We're not here to waste your time. I pray thee that thou wouldst hear us of thy clemency a few words. Now, I don't know many lawyers that use a few words, but for this case, uh, actually, we've got an end to this. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Okay, so he's got some accusations there. Who also hath gone about to profane the temple, whom we took, we, the Jews, we took him, um, remember that, uh, whom we took, and would have judged according to our law. We're going to take care of this. But the chief captain uh, Lysias... Now, that's a Greek name, that's a, that's a Roman name, right? Uh, so one of your guard, one of your soldiers uh, came upon us and with a great violence took him away out of our hands. We were going to take care of this. We didn't want to waste your time. We were going to take care of this. But he violently took him away. So it's been, remember, they said five days. So, so he's been in jail for at least five days uh, waiting for this. And he took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee. But by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things, wherever we accuse him. So basically, um, this, this guard, this Roman, uh, basically said, no, 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 no. We're going to take him. We have a process here. One of the reasons they do that is because we're controlling your country. We don't let you run your courts. We're going to run your courts for you. So your people who are being accused, we're going to go by our rules. It, can, it, it continues the power of the oppressors, of the, of the occupiers. Okay, so um, of, of where have we accused you? Verse 9, and the Jews also assented, saying uh, about, that these things were so. So we had other uh, Jews accusing him of this. This is true. Now, then Paul... After that, the governor had beckoned unto him to speak. Paul, let's hear from you. 
answering, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. I'll answer for myself. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. Now I want you to remember something. We'll finish this up in a second. Paul used to be on the other side of this. Saul was an accuser. He drummed up charges against people all the time. Against Christians. And so, because he was a devout Jew. He knew the law. In fact, he says, uh, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers. I worship the God of my fathers. I haven't changed. That hasn't changed. This is the God of my fathers. This is the God of the Old Testament. Right there, they didn't know about the, the Old Testament was the Bible. Um, it's the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. I believe the law. I believe the prophets. And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and unjust. There will be a resurrection. And herein do I exercise myself. This is where we get to the crux. I have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He was able to do this. He was able to answer because he knew his, he had a good conscience. He had a conscience that was prepared for accusations like this. He had nothing between uh, God and man. Everything that he was saying, everything that when he presents the gospel, when he talks Jesus Christ, he is fulfilling the law. He is fulfilling the, the, uh, the Bible, the Torah. He's fulfilling everything that they've grown up to believe. Jesus is fulfilling it. And so he has a good conscience. So what we want to talk about is what is required um, to live with a good conscience. Because we all deal with it. And we deal with it in four different ways. And I pray that we always deal with the good conscience and we don't get down to what we're going we're gonna to label them. The different types. So um, we're going to talk about a good conscience. I love this. There's a gr that's a great picture of accusations of, of the trial of someone and how they're going to defend themselves. I, when I was a kid, you'd either watch movies, uh, TV movies, you know, something like, like Friday night movie. That, remember movies were like three hours long because then they had commercials and all that stuff, you know. And so my, my parents would watch movies. And, and there would always be, you know, you'd have a movie with somebody who got wrongly accused and goes to jail. And I would worry at night about that. Mom, what if I grow up and, and I, I go to jail for murder? Well, don't murder anybody. That's what she would say to me. She, she really didn't play around. She said, don't murder anybody. Why are you worrying about this? I just don't want to be wrongly accused. Why would you worry about that? Um, so, but it's about a conscience issue, maybe. Would I be able to defend myself? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. So I, I, that just came to my mind. I was like, oh, I just remember worrying about that. Why? Don't kill anybody. You don't. And Paul is the same, same situation here. 
So let's define, number one, let's define the conscience. What exactly is the conscience? Uh, Some has defined it as the window that lets the light in. And that light, the Holy Spirit will shine in through that window and highlight areas in our life. Um, I love uh, on a cool morning uh, when you have a bright sunshine and you open the window and you see that light come in, it's warm. Um, and you could, but you can also see through the, through the rays of, of sun, you can see the dust in the air and you can see, you see where, where you need to clean and things like that. Uh, it highlights things. Um, but the Holy Spirit will do that. And how does he do that? He does that through his word. He does that through the gospel. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the uh, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, of a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. The Holy Spirit uh, pricks our conscience with, with uh uh, with that light coming through. So there are four different types of conscience. Now, Paul had, in letter A, a good conscience. This is what we want to strive to have. Paul was not saying, I am sinless. And if, and, and if that is the requirement for a good conscience, oh, woe is us, <laughs> right? Because that's not attainable. It's not attainable because we are earthly. We're human. We're fallible. We are sinful. Um, but a good conscience, we can define it and we can figure out what is a good conscience. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. This was from Acts 23 earlier. Paul was not perfect, uh, but what he, he was still sinful, but he did not allow sin to linger in his life. He took care of it. Because he knew he had a God in heaven that loved him, a Holy Spirit that... that uh, guided him, and he had to just nip it in the bud, take care of it, take care of it. And that, that's, where, that's where you can have um, uh, immediate forgiveness, and you move on. Uh, he encouraged Timothy in the same way. Uh, uh, Timothy 1, 18 through 19, this is First Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou... Uh, by them might war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which uh, some having put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck. Shipwreck in their version was our way of saying train wreck today. We don't really talk about shipwrecks because shipwrecks don't happen the same way. They, they still can be uh, horrible, and when you do hear about it, it is amazing. But we talk about that train wreck. That person is a train wreck. And that's what he was talking here. Uh, many have just turned into a train wreck. Someone once said, there is no softer pillow than a good conscience. No softer pillow. Unconfessed, disregarded sin brings a toll of heaviness on your spirit. And a good conscience is, is uh, you, will, you will settle it, you will settle your sin with the Lord immediately and quickly. You will be pricked in your heart uh, by the Holy Spirit when sin is, is occurs in your life. Benjamin Franklin, uh, and if you're wondering, yes, I am in the lineage. Um, uh, Just a little aside there. Um, uh, If this is on the internet, I don't know. But anyway, Benjamin Franklin once said, Let no pleasure tempt thee, no profit allure thee, no ambition corrupt thee, no example sway thee, no persuasion move thee to do anything which thou knowest to be evil. So So thou shalt live jollily, 
For a good conscience is a continual Christmas. I love Christmas. It's a, a continual Christmas. It is through grace that we're able to resist sin and live with a good conscience. Uh, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that by denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do you underestimate the power of God's grace? God's grace in your life? Sometimes I do. Many people think it's a uh, grace gives them the license to sin. I say grace gives you a reason not to. And grace gives you uh, that forgiveness when you bring it to the Lord and take care of it. 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. So, good conscience. A good conscience, uh, Paul uh, gave the example of it. He was confident in his, uh, in his spirit that I, there's nothing between me and my Savior. I, I'm living a, a life that's pleasing to the Lord. I do my best. I, he's got to work on it, just like all of us would, but that's a good conscience. The second one is a defiled conscience. This is the next level of uh, where we don't want to be, but it's the next level. Again, these, these are the definitions of conscience for saved people, people that know the Lord, people that have been saved. Um, the Bible speaks of a defiled conscience. Um, Titus 1, 15 through 16, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They confess that they know God, but in, the, in works they deny Him. They know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work a reprobate. Defiled means to be made dirty. That same light that lets the window in, uh, uh, that window, that light that comes through the window, that same window is dirty. It's obstructing. Uh, uh, some, uh, we have them out here. It happens to my car. It happens to all your, your, your mirror, your uh, lamps, uh, the headlights on your car. We sit in the sun all the time. That they, they get basically just, it's, it's a UV uh, issue and uh, and they get defiled. They get the the light doesn't go out as good. So you need to get them taken care of or get them replaced. Um, those lenses just been baking in the sun. That they they're defiled. That's kind of the picture that we have here. Uh, a defiled conscience is not a safe guide in your life. The Word of God is. I'll admit, it's sometimes hard to understand when you don't let the Holy Spirit work in your life. If you don't continue to just ask God to illuminate. But what would even make it harder is if these words were smudged. You know, you, you're, turning the, you're reading the page and it says, For a wonderful life, all you must do is, and it's smudged. What do I do? How can we get, how can we let the Word of God talk to us if, it, if, if these were just smeared. That's kind of that picture here, this defiled conscience. Um, and, and now foolishness in our life. We, we make foolish decisions and we become less sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit working in our life, filtering, filtering our, um, our, our thoughts and our processes. We're less sensitive to the light of truth. So 
defiled conscience. The next one is an evil con conscience. Some letter C, an evil conscience. Hebrews, thir uh, Hebrews 10, 20 through 22 through 23 talks about that. Let us draw near with a, pure, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled for, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. The, uh, the defiled conscience allows uh, that occasional allowance of sin. But the evil conscience has a is a result of habitual sin. Sin that just you've allowed to take over. A, a one that you've just allowed into your life uh, and, um, and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit anymore on this. There's a great example. Sadly, there's a great example in the Bible. Lot. Lot was a wonderful, righteous believer. Uh, he was actually labeled a righteous man. But we see uh, in, in the New Testament the, the, uh, the history of Lot as recorded in the New Testament in 2 Peter 2. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He he started as a righteous man. And then what did he do? He pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then six chapters later, he's, a, he's embedded in Sodom. He is um, a leader in Sodom. He, and, there, and what I read is that no one in the city even knows that he used to serve Jehovah God. What would be worse is that they did know that he served Jehovah God. I think that's even worse. I've told people in my class before, I said, if you're going to live a wicked lifestyle, uh, please don't say you're a Christian. And please don't say you go to this church. Because that does not do God any favors and doesn't do the church any favors. Um, and it's definitely not doing you any favor. But if, you, if you're going to live a wicked lifestyle, please don't associate. Um, uh, don't bring us into this. Don't, don't bring the Lord into us. But, but we saw Lot go from just, uh, just eyeing it a little bit to now he's all full in. So much so he knew when the angels came, he said, oh, this is not a good place for you to be. And oh, woe is me. <laughs> and, and then he finishes off his life in a drunken act of incest with his daughters. I mean, it's just sad. That's the... That's the the, the testimony of Lot that we get. Not that he was a righteous man. Wouldn't it have been great if it had just stopped right there? Lot was a righteous man. He, he had all the, the ability to have as much blessing as, as Abraham had. But no, he was an example of that, that letting habitual sin become part of your life. Finally, uh, letter D is a seared conscience. I love a good seared steak. I love food that's been seared. There's just, there's something about it. But there's, uh, the, the searing process deadens your, your nerves. If you get burned seriously, it's going to heal, but you might not feel those, those nerve endings. And that is what's happened to a Christian who has let sin so far take them that now they don't even listen. They don't even recognize the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if they open the Bible anymore. Um, there are used to be Christian. Is that, I, I hear on, uh, you, you, and it's so sad, you hear um, of, of 
Christian leaders, I'll just say that, Christian leaders in churches and now uh, the, the big news for a Christian leader is not how big their church was or how, how many people are getting saved. The big news in the mainstream media is always this guy's now deny, denying God. Because that's the story they want out there. See, this, the, for the unbelieving, see, they're no different than us. See, this leader, he's, he's denying God now. Now we believe once saved, always saved. The question would be whether they truly were saved in the beginning. That's between them and the Lord. I can't say whether or not. But it is sad when you do see a Christian leader all of a sudden, nah, I don't believe God. When you dig down, though, if you look at a lot of those things, there was sin rampant in their life that they didn't deal with, or sin in their loved ones' lives that they couldn't do how many times have you heard of a, a preacher who preaches against uh, homosexuality and then they find out their kid's a homosexual? Now it's, all, now it's okay? Is it? Did, did something just change? No. Your, your emotions towards that sin went, oh, this now affects somebody I love. I can't sit, preach against it. So this seared conscience is the worst place to be, and I pray we never, ever get there. But there was stepped. It was gradual. It's not, it's not just tomorrow. Uh, if it's just tomorrow, if it seems like that on the outside, it's been happening over time. But a good conscience. And can we all have a good conscience? Uh, I pray we do. So how do we develop? How do we develop a good conscience? Number two. Yeah, we got to keep going. Um, through exercise. <laughs> what a word none of us really like. Now, if you're like my wife, she's been exercising for a while. She loves doing it. But she'll admit that when I was in the military and I had to do exercise um, for, for keeping fit and all that, and I'd have to go run, and I'd say, yeah, I really enjoyed that run. She's like, I'm never going to be a runner. She said it. Now she's running four, four miles every three days a week, whatever, and I'm just trying to keep up. Uh, but exercise, he, uh, a good conscience developed. We're going we're to have to exercise. Um, he, Paul says it in, ver, in verse 16 of 24. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He, 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 it's, it's a process. It's an ongoing process. Exercise is not a one and done. It's not, I just ran uh, 15 miles, I'm good to go for the next year. No, you're going to recover from that 15 miles if you, if you made it, and you still got to keep working at it. Uh, I'm encouraged when I hear the guys talking about the miles they're running, and I want to do it, but my couch is so comfortable to sit on. I'm just saying. But I do know I got to go do that. And I tried it a couple weeks ago, and I was hurting for two days, not from soreness, I was joints, so I'm working on that. But... We do have to exercise. We, so it's going to take a continual process, uh, maybe a, a little bit more each day, a little, bit, um, a, a little bit better. But in order to exercise, what do you have to have? A, you have to have a goal. You have to have a goal. Um, in exercise and physical fitness, it might be a picture of what you, what you want to look like, that, that, that flat belly uh, that I used to have when I was 20 once. And then, you know, but... Um, it, but you have to have a goal. Zig Ziglar once said, I love his name. Zig Ziglar once said, if you aim for nothing, you will hit it every time. Every time. Just aim for nothing. You know, uh, what's the, you know, if, if you just, it's always easy to hit something when you just have no goals. When you just 
We just don't care. Um, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. This is 1 Corinthians 9.25. Uh, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Um, uh, when, when an athlete complete, competes in an athletic event, that, that event might only be 30 seconds long. But there was a whole bunch of training to get to that point. And he doesn't go saying... I just spent the last four years prepping for, for the Olympics. If I get sixth, I'm great. You know, I, I actually, I don't have a goal. I'm going to go out there and no, they all want the prize. They all have a goal in mind. What is our goal? The goal is not the good conscience itself. The goal is Jesus, to please Jesus, to please God. That's the goal. First uh, uh, Thessalonians 4.1, Furthermore, I, uh, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how we ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. In 2 Timothy, uh, he says, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Um, he's talking about the person who doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of life, a good soldier. Um, he wants to please the one who's chosen him. God has chosen us. So does your life please God? God did not save us from sin so we can continue to live in it. He saved us out of it. So we have to, exercise requires a goal and it requires discipline, the letter B, discipline. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself might be a castaway. Here's again that, that um, shipwreck, that, um, that picture they had that everybody understood a castaway. Every, he understood a castaway. He'd been a castaway. Uh, he understood shipwrecks. And so he's keeping his body under, under subjection. He's, he's showing discipline. For, for Paul, it might have been who he hangs out with. Yeah, he wants to save the lost, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go hang out. You know, you heard of the guy who says, I'm going to go uh, save those who are at the bar. No, you're probably going to get dragged in to the bar. Maybe, maybe wait till they come out and, they, you know, and, and help, but, but you, you don't... You don't associate. So maybe his friends he'd choose, his habits, and so on. Um, in order to keep a good conscience, he established boundaries for himself. We need to have those boundaries. And that personal discipline li uh, liberated Paul. Um, a picture. Here, here's, a, here's a picture, if you think about it. I love to throw the football. Um, I love to uh, have somebody go out and, and let's, hey, let's run a route. And I'm going to throw, throw it to you. And you hit him, and you get him good. So we're doing that on a plateau and there's a, a thousand foot cliff and we're playing football. And I throw it close to the edge of that cliff. You'd be a little inhibited to go after it, wouldn't you? But if I put a boundary on that cliff, maybe a 30 foot fence, you'd feel a little more confident going after that football. So that fence is gonna protect you, that boundary. Did that boundary give you more liberty? I think it did. It allowed you to enjoy the game more. It allowed you to go after that football um, without worry of death. How about the limits that God gives us in, in his Bible? The, the, the teaching, the instruction, it's not to, to bind us. Oh, those Christians are so bound up. No, I'm going to liberty. And not liberty to sin, liberty to live for God. Have a good conscience, a conscience that, that's nice and soft when I go to bed. 
I sometimes wonder when I do have trouble sleeping, is it because of my conscience or is it just because I had sugar at night? I don't know. But let's get rid of the, the, the conscience issue. Let's have everything settled between us and the Lord and put our head down. Then we can work, worry about the, the sugar at 12 o'clock at night. You know, that, that, all that. That might give you jimmy legs. So, so we need to exercise with a goal in mind and discipline. Two things that help us with that. Dying to self and being filled with the Spirit. Dying to self. Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but filled with the Spirit. For, for, the, for, the, for the drunk, he needs to replace it with something. Let's fill it with the Holy Spirit. There's got to be a replacement. So um, uh, I've got another quote from uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin again. He coined the phrase, basically the, the no pain, no gain actually came from him. It did not come from, from uh, a wrestler or from somebody, from Arnold Schwarzenegger. It came from, uh, from a phrase that, that uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote. There are no gains without pains. He used a lot more words. He was a very wordy guy. But no pain, no gain. That, um, so finally, we need to display a good conscience. Number three, a good conscience displayed. How do we display a good conscience? Well, he finished off with writing, he said, and herein do I exercise myself, in verse 16, to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. It was void of offense. Uh, no unconfessed sin in his life. There's nothing between himself and God relationally. In Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is not, and when they say see God, it's not talking about they will see him at the end, which it will. They're talking about they're going to see him in his, their life, the pure in heart. They're going to see God working in their life. It is so great to be able to say, look what God did. I, I love situations that you just can't explain it away. You just can't say, well, uh, things aligned right and, and uh, they, you know. No, I love to say, God, look what he did. Good conscience. Uh, uh, just see it. There's nothing between us and him. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on this countenance, nor on the height of the structure uh, of a stature, because I have refused him. This is when Samuel was looking for the new king. And he's seeing all these uh, handsome, tall um, brothers of David. Doesn't know about David yet. And he's going, It's got to be one of these guys. Because he, he's looking at what he wants as a king. Because maybe that's his image of God. Maybe, maybe God would be tall, God would be handsome, God would be strong, you know. Um, and God's saying, no, don't look on his stature. I've refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He's looking on the inside. And that's where that conscience uh, helps guide us. So, um, not, uh, so toward God and finally toward men. Toward men. You know, it's interesting that the... You'll, you'll actually find that the outside world actually probably holds higher standards for us than we hold for ourselves. They, they'll, in their mind, put a standard, alcohol. wonder if they'll have a drink. Many Christians think it's not an issue. The Bible's very clear. 
if you're not drunk. And if you, and if, and if, well, that, I don't get drunk. I just drink a little bit. Well, it's always a start. A drunk becomes a drunk from the first sip. It takes one sip to start, right? So, and I, I like throwing this other one out. I've had this discussion with people. I said, okay. I said, so, okay, so you just ordered a, a beer from that waitress. Do you know if she's struggling with alcohol? Oh, uh, well, you don't. And every time she serves that to somebody, she might be going, okay, it's okay for me to have alcohol too. You don't know. And you, you don't know if I'm struggling with it. I come from a family of alcoholics. But you don't know. So that conscience uh, towards men. We are the light of the world. Here in Matthew, uh, finish with this. Matthew 5, 14, 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all men that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the God in heaven. Towards men. We should have a good. He had a good conscience toward God and man. Therefore, he was confident that God's plan would be worked out there in front of a judge, in front of a governor, with false accusations coming around him. Do you? It's something we should all strive for, that good conscience to help lead our lives and, and bring others to Christ. So, a good conscience. Paul gives us a great example of that, and I encourage, you, I encourage all of you, uh, if you're dealing with something, get it confessed to the Lord. Get it taken care of. Have that good conscience. Not, it's not a sinless life, but it's a life that's uh, uh, glorifying God. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this class. I thank you for the time we get to spend. I thank you for the wonderful story that you've given with Paul and his good conscience that he could rest assured that he was right with you and he was right with man. And Lord, I just ask that we would uh, all strive for that uh, in our lives. Lord, be with us this, uh, this hour coming up and this day, Lord. In all that you have for us, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and ask that you just uh, uh, be with the pastors, bring us a message, and soften our hearts to receive it. Lord, we sure do love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Went a little bit long. I know folks have got to get to classes um, that are teaching, but we got uh, church here in a few minutes.